Hello and welcome to the People and Flow podcast. In this episode, we welcome Professor Joe Clark, founder of the not-for-profit organisation Petros. Joe's career has focused on the concept of resilience, both for individuals and the organisations in which they live and work. Joe and Kelsey discuss the importance of resilience in the workplace, the characteristics of resilience, and we hear Joe's top tips for keeping our minds healthy, both in and out of work. I'm Joe Clark and I am the Managing Director of Petros, which is a small not-for-profit business based in York, and resilience is at our heart. So our strapline is resilience for life, and that often results in people asking us, uh, what, what is resilience? What are we about? So resilience essentially is about the ability to respond well, despite what pressures life puts on you. So it actually comes from engineering and ecology, And resilience of a material is measured at the point of which it starts changing shape because of some kind of pressure that's been applied to it. So, for example, air pressure or heat pressure or ecology, a branch with a load of snow on it. Its resilience will be measured at the point just before it snaps because of the weight. So in terms of people, it really is about the amount of pressure that we can respond well to. So you've described what you mean by resilience. So what kind of qualities would resilience include? What would you expect to see in someone who was considered resilient? I think that, well, the key qualities probably are the ones that we might consider executive function qualities. So the ability to keep perspective, the ability to regulate our emotions, the ability to manage our impulses, to think consequentially, you know, to recognise the potential for things if we act in a certain way. There's a lovely paper around the four sights, which is insight, hindsight, foresight and oversight. They're really interesting in terms of what resilience is. And so what we do at Petros is actually, well, resilience for life is really about resilience for all of life, but it's also about resilience for all people. So we have a corporate element to what we do, which Mm. is working with big organisations Um, and small organisations actually, to look at how we can build resilience in their staff, to think about how we can build resilience into the organisation. We work with individuals to build their personal resilience and we work with families, particularly um, families who may have very challenging children who have yet to develop some of those qualities that I've just described and they they develop much later in children. Uh, Well, they they probably aren't, none of us are probably fully formed until we're in our (laughs) mid-twenties. You know, if kids are, are lacking in those skills, it's how do we support parents and coach them to look at developing their skills in their children? So we work across the spectrum. That's really interesting that it covers more than just kind of in, a, in the workplace. Mm. Um, but talking of in the workplace, what can an organisation do to build resilience up in its staff and in its workforce? Well, the research evidence would suggest that resilient organisations probably address two main areas one is the individual resilience of their staff which I'm very happy to talk about later the other is how do they build resilience into the fabric of the organization so one of the key predictors of resilience is organizational climate so it's about how does communication work in the organization how are people assisted to manage their workloads what is the managerial style like fascinatingly managerial style is the third most commonly cited cause of workplace stress and yet less than 20 percent of managers are trained in how to support their staff and empowerment how empowered staff feel okay so so a lot of it is about cultural things within an organization yes 
And one of the ways that an organisation can address its culture is to think about what it has in place specifically to enhance resilience. So we talk about three different levels of intervention, primary, secondary and tertiary. Let me explain what they are. So tertiary intervention is normally what organisations would have in place. And this is basically what do we do when the wheels come off the bus? So let's say somebody goes off on long term sick leave because of stress or there's a major incident at work and it's an impacted on people so say you work in a bank and there might have been an armed robbery or a, a betting shop or something like that happens or you work in a prison or social services or you work in a big organization that goes bust or you have to make redundancies how does the organization respond to those big events those would be tertiary interventions but very few organizations think about what we call primary and secondary so a primary intervention would be things you put in place to prevent difficult outcome for people so how do you select the right people how do you ensure their values accord with your organization's values how do you train them in the competences they need to do their job well which given the quote about managers is a bit shocking we promote people on technical ability and then find that actually they, they don't get any training on how to manage people which is usually what a management role involves yeah. so <laughs> So those would be primary interventions and then secondary interventions are the ones that are put in place to identify very quickly when things might be going a bit wobbly, a bit wrong and having strategies in place to respond well. So for example, um, in a say a social services setting or a prison setting, having things like supervision in place so that people have an opportunity to express some of the challenges they might face at work and how to respond well and adaptively to those challenges. And the same could be said, you know, in any setting, having strategies and interventions in place that enable staff to identify very early when things are getting difficult and how to respond to those. Absolutely. So it's not just about dealing with when things do go wrong. It's kind of preventative and recognising the symptoms of when something might be creeping up on. Yeah. So we mentioned a little bit there, stress in the workplace. So what are the common effects that you see in a working environment of stress and, and what impact do they have? Actually, stress is really hard to diagnose because all the indicators of it can also be attributed to many other things. Typically what you look for are changes in behaviour and the sorts of things that people report are changes in sleeping and eating patterns, changes in levels of irritability, feeling more anxious and depressed a lot of the time, being more absent-minded and forgetful, maybe noticing increases in alcohol or other drug consumption as a way of trying to numb the mind. So all sorts of changes in behaviour that you might see. What I find really interesting organisationally is that organisations often put in place staff surveys mm-hmm. to identify what's going on and it's actually really easy to predict the things that people will say they find challenging at work. The first is not feeling recognised or valued, that they don't feel that they're having any impact or that the impact they do have isn't appreciated by the organisation. Having too much to do, which is absolutely common for everybody. In fact, I've never been into an organisation where people say they don't have enough to do. So nearly <laughs> always they say they have too much to do. The relationship with the manager is really, really key, which accords mm. to everything we said earlier. And also having the ability to balance our commitment to our work and our commitment to our life outside of work. And those four headlines have occurred over and over and over again, from the finance industry to the charitable sector to engineering. Yeah.
And what would be some of the coping techniques or methods of dealing with situations like that that you could pass on to people or that you at Petros pass on to people? Well, you could put 101 stress busters into Google and you'll come up with all sorts of things like making lists and taking time out and writing down things you're grateful for. But one of the things we find about those tools is that they certainly don't work for everybody and there's actually very little evidence that they're effective. So at Petros, we deliver a training called the Challenge of Change Resilience Training. This is a program that's actually owned by the WorkSkills Centre, which is owned by Derek Roger, who's a psychologist who'd been researching stress and emotion for many, many years. And as a result of his research, has put together this one-day program. So I'll describe really briefly the sort of fundamental principles of it it is so so effective so the first underlying principle is that stress is never a good thing ever and this sometimes flies in the face of what people believe is that we need a little bit of stress to make us work harder yeah training takes completely the opposite view that all stress will lead to is a possibly shorter and definitely miserable life because all you've got to do is think about how you feel when you're stressed and you will come up with a list of miserable symptoms like tired hostile sick shaky sweaty so we do make a very very clear distinction between stress which is miserable and pressure which is essential pressure is the demand to perform so that's and we need pressure you know we need deadlines we we need to know that things have to be done by a certain time etc etc yeah so the second principle is that there is no such thing as a stressful event only a stressful response the caveat here and it's a really important one is that this training is specifically about day-to-day stress it is not about post-traumatic stuff you know if you're involved in a car accident or caught in a terrorist attack that's not what this training is about but in day-to-day terms you know your car breaking down your parcel not arriving your child being poorly so that you have to rearrange your day in those sorts of terms all they are are events what makes them stressful is our thinking about them and it was uh, Shakespeare I think said I can't remember which play I think it might have been Hamlet who said there is no such thing as good or bad but thinking makes it so and it couldn't be truer so the lovely thing about that is that obviously we can't really have much control over events that happen the weather at the moment is a classic example we can't stop the fact that it's snowing yeah (laughs) I can guarantee there'll be people out there who are stressed by it but all they're doing is making themselves miserable and potentially shortening their lives what we can manage of course is how we respond to those events and Mm -hmm. that's what the challenge of change training is about and the principle is that stress is a choice now that's not that you choose necessarily to become stressed because why would you choose to be miserable and shorten your life but you can choose with the right approach to not become stressed and the key principles of that are essentially about how you manage your mind so we would say to people you know imagine you could potentially lead a stress-free life without changing anything except your mind now it makes it sound really easy it isn't easy (laughs) it takes a lot of practice um But it becomes a way of being, recognising how your mind works, recognising the difference between having your mind present on and giving your attention to what's important versus being absent-minded where idle daydreams can turn into waking nightmares. That's what we're talking about. So we're not talking about managing once we're stressed because that's actually impossible. We're talking about not getting stressed in the first place. I suppose, again, it's that thing of learning how to recognise what's going to be upcoming and, and then deal with that rather than 
letting it happen so it's kind of recognition and yeah sometimes you can't prevent things happening so let's say for example I have to be in London by 10 o'clock and I'm or to you know training event and I'm booked on the half past seven train and I've done everything right to get there on yeah. time and the train's delayed do I spend the next 20 minutes pacing up and down the platform fuming about the fact I'm not going to get there in time do I recognize that actually there's nothing I can do about the fact the train's late who do I need to ring who do I need to get in touch with without experiencing any anxiety about it because I can't do anything about it and that example you can really see how dealing with stress and stress management affects performance because mm. if you're pacing up and down and that's occupying your mind you're not sorting out the problem but mm. in the other instance where you get on the phone and put steps mm. in place mm. it's, it's getting sorted and it, it's not affecting performance as much so yeah, it's really you can see the applicability yeah. to the workplace yeah. and to home Kelsey and to yeah. home you know, imagine that my child is sleeping a lot because they're a teenager and their brain isn't functioning properly and all I'm telling myself is that they're going to ruin their education never get a job <laughs> never be independent I'm going to be miserable if yeah. I'm able to play so you know adolescent brain is such that kids need to sleep a lot what can I do to help ensure my child's getting into sleep we might think about you know potential arguments or hostilities with partners and get preoccupied with that when actually it's not resolving the issue that's causing the problem so it applies to every aspect of our lives yeah and that's that's an important thing to mention as well that Mm. at people in flow we recognize that you need to be able to deal with stresses uh, kind of in home life and Mm. and then to be able to perform at work it it kind of all affects everything um you can't just differentiate your work life and say oh i'm doing really well at work Um, if you're stressed and we even put it down to if you have a stressful drive to work your day may be stressful at work so you need to be able to learn coping mechanisms across the board and we would say at Petros if you have a drive to work that is demanding we wouldn't call it stressful because it is just a drive to work I might make it stressful by my thinking yeah so I've got this is awful I'm going to be late the traffic's terrible and why is it all happening to me you know, why are they all in my way? I need to get to work really quickly. And then I get to work in an absolute state. And of course, I can't then focus on what I need to be doing. But the drive to work is just a drive to work. There's no such thing as a stressful drive to work. It is just a drive to work. Whether yeah. or not it depends on the story I tell myself about it. Absolutely. Um, but you're right, because a wise organisation is one that recognises that it employs the whole person, not just yeah. the role that somebody does. Yeah, and not just in the hours that they're at work it's the whole day yeah absolutely joe what would be your top tips for looking after mental health particularly in the workplace well you know my top tip which is probably going to go in the face of everything everyone's being told is the first person you need to look after is yourself um and if people need reassurance that that's the appropriate thing to do just use the airline metaphor about the advice should the air cabin pressure drop and an oxygen mask be released above your head, they always tell you, apply your own oxygen mask first. And the reason for doing that is if you don't, you're not in a fit state to help anyone else. Absolutely. You know, so while you might have a very anxious mum saying, oh, no, 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 I put my children's oxygen mask on first, there's a very strong chance your kids are left an orphan. So mm. <laughs> it's yeah. really, really important that we look after ourselves. I mean, clearly, I would say develop the skills that enable you to lead a stress-free life, which comes from the challenge of change, but also... Other top tips would include managing your energy. And this comes from two sports psychologists called Jim Lur and Tony Schwartz, who talk about our physical energy, our mental energy, our emotional energy and our spiritual energy, where spiritual energy is about our core values and what's important. Mm. 
but they say managing energy not time is the key to high performance success and happiness and actually it really works so am i physically energized am i getting enough sleep am i eating well am i exercising all the fundamental things am i emotionally energized you know am i spending most of my time either feeling challenged invigorated motivated or relaxed and chilled or am i spending it all feeling agitated angry hostile depressed that latter group of feelings they're very very energy inefficient so what's going on that is keeping me in that domain and how do i move into the more positive domain um mental energy is ensuring we get regular breaks how many people sit at their console their computers for hours on end thinking oh my god if i stop work nothing will ever get finished if you need some reassurance air traffic controllers who are probably the olympians of attention control are only by law allowed to work for an hour and a half at a time oh wow and actually yeah and they have to have half an hour break and then go back to their work because you can't pay attention for that long performance no. dip so you know if you think right it's an, i've done an hour i'm going to get up and walk around for 10 minutes you are not skiving you're consolidating you're processing but you're giving your mind a bit of a rest from the task at hand and organizations that demand that everybody is working for the 8 hours they're in the organization are yeah. not getting the best out of their staff low and schwartz were able to distinguish the world class athletes from the very good ones by what they did in their downtime not how they performed on the touring yeah extraordinary and then making sure values align and accord you know uh, and this goes back i guess to some of those primary interventions have we got people in the organisation who share the values we have or are they at odds because people whose values are at odds don't perform well they spend most of their time exhausted and it's a little bit like accepting that we can't all do everything you know i could no more work for the ambulance service than i could fly but i did as you as you know work in prisons for 20 years and thrived yeah really really enjoyed it and that really accorded with my beliefs about behavior change and trying to make a difference and protecting yeah. so those spiritual values are really important and should be ignored yeah. as well absolutely and on that point as well of doing a job that isn't suited to you we found that it's not that people are unable to do things that don't fit with their kind of dominant energy it doesn't mean that you're you wouldn't be good at a job it just means that it would be very stressful for you yeah, um, really and you might not like it very much so it's not a case of skill or ability it's just that yeah. it might not be the most pleasant experience for you which i think some people take a while to get past that point of understanding that it's not that you can't perhaps yes. you <laughs> might be better placed somewhere else absolutely we we can't all do everything and i think the difficulty is we often feel devalued or demoralized when we realize that we're not doing as well as we'd like to um and organizations get very judgmental about people who aren't vertical as pulling their weight or performing as expected but you know when something's very at odds with what you believe it, it's really really hard to do so as an organization would work very hard to match people's skills and values with the role that they perform Thank you for listening to episode 35 in the People and Flow podcast series. If you'd like to know more about the topics discussed, you can visit our website www.peopleandflow.co.uk or you can click on the link to petros.org in the description below. Thank you for listening.